Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Zero to 10, a podcast focused on helping bootstrapped entrepreneurs and business owners grow their business to 10 million in revenue. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today, I welcome Ryan Kugler to the podcast. Ryan is the owner and CEO of three businesses, each doing multiple millions in revenue. The interesting part is he only has five full-time employees to run the three businesses. And the other kicker is they're all in different industries. His layered company approach has worked really well for him. And I think this is a strategy more companies, including for my own, should consider. Ryan breaks down the how and the why, plus the benefits he has seen. He also shares advice for would-be entrepreneurs and business owners. I was super curious heading into this conversation, and it didn't disappoint. As a favor, if you listen to the podcast, please do subscribe on iTunes or hit the follow button on Spotify and share it with other business owners you think would get value from the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get the interview started. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's my pleasure. I know we got connected recently and I've been actually really excited about this conversation because I think you're doing some unique things uh, that other entrepreneurs and business owners could follow suit. And I'll just tease it a little bit there. But uh, before we get started, can you share with the audience just a little bit about your background and, and what you're working on today? Yeah. So uh, I'm Ryan Kugler. I'm based in Los Angeles, California. I actually uh, own and operate at the same time three different companies in three different verticals. Um, I've chosen to go that route because I don't want to go home unhappy, meaning if I have a bad day, sales are low. At least hopefully the other company or other two companies are doing well. Um, one of my businesses is a wholesale business, a secondary wholesale business, I call another one's marketing and another one's events. Uh, pretty much all three I've been doing for the last, say 10, 20, 30 years. Yes. Ironically. And I decided just to mix them all up and do it at the same time and just make my life exciting and make, I don't know if I'm stressed or not stressed, but it seems to be going well so far. Now you're smiling and you're happy and, uh, what is this third? No, I guess it's Monday morning. I almost said Thursday morning, man. The week's not flying by that quick, but yeah, I, I love the idea, and that's one of the concepts that intrigued me because you, you actually called it a layered company, right? Um, so before we get to maybe how you're running them today, just kind of curious, what was the first business, and then what made you decide, hey, this is good. Let me start a second business to to add to that. I'm, I'm curious what your kind of thought process was back when we started this process. So I, when I finished school, I got into the family business, which was basically a distributor wholesaling of uh, movies to video stores. Video stores don't exist anymore. But basically, we were a distributor of movies, physical at the time, VHS, now DVD, Blu-ray, and we sold them to individual stores. Uh, the family business evolved and escalated and morphed into some other businesses where basically we sold other products, games, toys, books, etc. So I've been doing that the longest, actually, about 30 years. Um, and it's really uh, it's almost a liquidation business where basically we help people remove their excess inventory. So we did this for the movie studios, other video stores that were closing and our our buyers and users, as we call them, were retailers like a Target. Yes. Like a Best Buy. Yes. Um, other chains that have gone out of business, but we still still sell to other discount retailers and so forth. I've been doing that the longest. On the side, I had a side hustle, if you can call it that, even though I wasn't making money, where I was helping out with events, uh, where I'd just go and, you know, on the weekend, kind of like volunteer for an event. And the nonprofit that was doing the events basically was kind of, should I say, unfolding or, or dispersing or going away. And I decided to take the lead and take 
on the reins of being the executive director. And then here in Los Angeles, where I'm at, when I would do the events, we started getting calls from other event companies or other cities saying, hey, we heard your event was great. Can we hire you to do an event? So I said, okay, you know what? And it was 2008. I'm like, sure, I'll start charging to do this. And it really is a hobby. It's my golf game on the weekend. It's fun. It's great. It's evolved into a real event company that's national now. We put on about 25 to 30 events a year, even now that COVID is over or ending, should I say, wherever we want to call it, we are booking events. And then my third side hustle, I guess you can call it, is a marketing company where basically we produce high-end marketing materials for corporate clients. So those are the three. Interesting. So even going back, looking at the wholesale business, I think I heard on one of your other interviews somewhere that you don't have a large staff, right? So you're running most of these businesses pretty, pretty lean. So when you started to make the jump, did you, if you were a hundred percent in the wholesale business and then started doing some high hustle on the weekend, was that a, then become a 20, 30% of your time? How did you start to it, that is, allocate? That's a good question. So yes, I basically have five employees and I call it a layered company, which means all five employees work all three companies, just like I do. So we all come to work and yes, we have three placards on the building that say what we do. And basically, so if, an, so if I have an employee doing marketing, they're doing marketing for all three. So I'm going to email them and say, hey, this is for the event company. Can you do this? Or, hey, this is for the wholesale business. Can you do this? Or this is for the event business. And the same thing with a logistics person working all three. So that logistics means picking up, dropping off, shipping, et cetera. So if someone is shipping, you know, five truckloads of luggage that we bought to the Dollar General, the next day they're going to be based or an hour later, they're going to be picking up, you know, 100 tables and chairs for an event we're doing. So it's pretty simple. In the marketing business, we actually, our product is made overseas in China. So they're handling the logistics of shipping something DHL, we ship everything air over to us. So it's kind of, you know, someone has the same hat. And I kind of got this idea for my wholesale business because when we sell a widget, an item to a retailer, that buyer at the retailer is not just buying one product. They're buying a hundred different products from batteries to luggage, to Christmas lights, to this, to that. So I thought, wait a second, if you have an employee at a company, a nationally known blue chip company who has to buy a hundred different things, why can't a logistics person handle logistics for three different companies? Yeah, I love, love, love this idea because I think we way too often get into the, the, the trap of, well, that's not the way you do it, right? Here's our silo. Here's the company we work for. Here's the specific task. And it just, it drives me nuts. I mean, I was in that structured environment, but the world's changed. We're now digital first and... You know, you're almost running it like uh, supporting portfolio companies. Hey, I've got experts that can do it across the board. I mean, to me, that just makes makes so much sense. I mean, life can be mundane. Your job can be mundane. So by doing this, it makes the job not mundane. So I actually have one employee who, you know, sits at the computer and does this, an admin person. And I'm like, okay, now can you go do this? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, which one do you like to do better? And the girl says, I actually like doing both. It's kind of neat. One day I'm on the computer, the next day I'm doing this, the next day. So it's just kind of. It gives some variety, some diversity, if we want to call it, to the job, actually. So they're not just doing the same, you know, on a conveyor belt, just going like this, stamping something. Yeah, it's this day and age when you start to look at it. I read a book not too long ago by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy or Ben Hardy, the who, not how. And they took the concept of, hey, I'm not this really focused around business owners. He works with, you know, 25 plus million size companies, so a bit larger but these business owners get trapped in not getting out of their own way because they're doing things they don't like to do or they're not good at. Right. So it just procrastinates, never get done. And they kind of flipped the concept and said, hey, don't think about delegation. Think about it as a who, not how. So if this needs to get done, 
think about who can do it and let them figure out the how. And I'm like, boom, light bulb, because that's that was kind of the part that was missing for me is like you find the right who's that can run this thing. You know, it doesn't have to be the old the old way of doing it. I know I took this a little bit off topic there, no, but I, I, I love the idea of that. And was it kind of uh, just accidental as you were growing, you stumbled in or were you intentional saying, hey, I'm going to start to hire people that can run for all three companies? I think it was intentional. I think it was like, listen, if, if, if you're doing marketing for this, why can't you do marketing for that? Also, the three companies, they're not 10, 20, 30 million dollar companies. They're all kind of in your range of anywhere between two to eight to 10 million. So it's like it's not a full time gig. And we have all learned with technology today and the digital world, as you said, things are done so much quicker. So someone they have more time. Every employee, I got to be honest with you, anyone who's listening knows that you're, you're paid to work eight hours. But honestly, you could probably do your job in four hours if someone said, hey, I'm going to send you off to, to London for free uh, for a paid vacation. We got to finish everything really quickly. Someone can get it done. <laughs> no, I think you're 100 percent right. And I've had some folks on the podcast, even in, more in the, the corporate environment. Right. And there might be an hour's worth of real work in a day between the meetings and everything else. It's just not. So I think we could be much more hyper yeah. focused on, on what we do. Um Curious going back, since these aren't all in the same space, you, you talked about the uh, the events that made sense. It was a passion project for you. And then what about marketing? That that one seemed... That's a good question that you asked. The marketing, actually, I stumbled. I mean, I kind of stumbled on all, all of them. Uh, um, and that's why I kind of have a policy, you know, something to say to your listeners is always take every opportunity, turn every negative into a positive, basically, because there are so many opportunities out there, whether you and I are on this podcast right now, and you just mentioned a book recommendation, well, I'm going to go buy the book, I'm going to read it. Wow, what if I have a new idea for a business from it? So there's always these opportunities out there in the world. And it's just amazing to take it. So the marketing is um, one of the products, one of the widgets, as I call it, a product that I was buying and selling wholesale retail, um, somebody wanted me to go get it manufactured physically overseas, because remember, I'm a distributor, I'm not a manufacturer. So I went overseas looking for it, and I stumbled upon something else while I was overseas and went, this is interesting, let me go and uh, pursue this. And it just kind of morphed into this whole other business. Interesting. And is that, thinking about fast forward, because I think even from a growth strategy, it makes a lot of sense, right? We get so hyper-focused on how do I grow this one piece of this one business that I started, and do you really have to, <laughs> right? You're showing if you get the right skill sets, the right ideas that you can, there's other ways to grow those revenue streams. You know, I think as a business owner, I'm always looking to grow. I mean, you know, one of my policies is, you know, you write out your goals, you write out your targets, you write out your battle plan, things you're going to do to hit those goals and to hit those targets. And that is part of my growth strategy. So any business I have, I want to grow. Yes, my event business, I want to grow it to 52 events a year. Okay. Um, you know, the marketing business, I want to grow it in size to X amount. So I'm always looking to grow these things. Yes. Um, and you do everything you can to grow and you take advantage of any new opportunities that are out there from new marketing, new digital campaigns, et cetera. You know, whether it's marketing on Google or SEO or redoing a site. So I'm always looking at those things, but things do just happen organically too. I found unless the industry changes and people do not need beepers anymore. And then you got something that's defunct. Right. Yeah, it is always going to be more. And we're moving as quickly as we ever have in, you know, technology and change and everything else. Um, any, were there any thoughts or are you thinking about now other, because you said they're just in completely different industries. There are opportunities to kind of go upstream or downstream with some of your current businesses that you looked at adjacent type of 
opportunity? I'm always looking for new opportunities. I'm actually looking for a fourth business. I actually want to own something technology-based, digital-based, um, because technically I own a business in the, you know, a service business in the event world. I own a manufacturing business in the marketing world, and I own a wholesale distribution business, okay, that sells to different, you know, retailers and so forth. So, yes, I'm always looking for something new. And do I want to go sideways, left, right? I do. And But, you know, there's only so many articles you can read or books you can read for these new ideas. And the key is, you know, hey, can I pay my bills and keep saving and investing money? Yeah, exactly. And you like what you're doing, right? At the end of the day, it's it's yeah, got to be along those lines. So, so curious, let's go back to maybe some lessons learned, right? As you kind of grew up in the wholesale business and you paid your dues through that. What were some of the things you learned through that process that you applied to the both the event and or marketing that maybe reduced that learning curve for you a bit once you're trying to to grow and scale those companies? I have learned in business that basically there's there's a few things you need to to adhere to, and which is you know one of, as we talked about pre the show, which is you know um, you really got to be in communication with everyone. So I've learned in all three businesses, and I've taken what I've learned not only from going to school and from my father because remember I was in a family business. But really, communication is key. If you just kind of go into a hole and don't reply to emails or don't return phone calls or don't actually talk to people, you know, your business is not going to grow, period. Okay, so you have to be outgoing. You have to be upbeat. You have to be willing to talk and, you know, introduce yourself to new people and willing to take a chance on entrepreneurism and like email someone or try something new. And so those are some principles that I have used in all three businesses. You know, if I didn't want to start another business in another vertical and I was just kind of closed in, it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have started an event business because every new business I've started, whether marketing, whether event or whatever future business I'm going to start in two years, you have to communicate, let people know, hey, I have this business, hold up a sign on the side of the street so that people go, oh, interesting. Okay. And then they're going to call you and you got to be able to talk to them and you got to make sure you talk to them right away because in today's world, because of the internet and our phones, people think if you don't reply to an email or return to a phone call, you're a piece of shit because it took you a day. I mean, I've had this. I'll call someone back eight hours later like, oh, you didn't call me back fast enough. I went with someone else. And you're like, oh, my God, really? So and I'm like, I, that was eight. I called you at the end of the day. You know, sorry, I was a little busy today. I mean, I did just have an email today. Someone emailed it Friday at five o'clock and then wrote this morning and said, I haven't heard back from you. I'm like, uh, I do work on Saturdays, but I apologize. I didn't get back to you right away. <laughs> yeah, this instant gratification world, right, man? I. I'm not a fan of. I mean, I'm, I'm a no. I'm not a fan of that at all. But you know, again, you should still be able to control your own time. I get it. The response communication is critical. Yes. But man, you gotta. That's one thing with text and you know instant message. Everybody expects the, an instant answer, and I'm like, geez, and, man, that's one of the things we're working for as business owners. So we're not in that boat, right? Right. And you, and also, you don't know to how to communicate to them because sometimes they want to talk to you on WhatsApp, they want to text you, they want to talk to you on social, and you're like. I mean, in, in the beginning days when I started work in 1991, there were basically three ways to get a hold of someone. You send them a letter to their address so you could FedEx them. You make a phone call or you send them a fax. And now you literally have 20 different methods of calling, of communicating with someone from a phone call all the way to a text, to an app, to social, to email, to I mean, it's just it doesn't end. It's crazy. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And a perfect segue into my next question is, you know, you've been this, we've been to space almost the exact same amount of time, just the changes in how you've been able to grow the business, say even just in the last two years, let's go five, 10, 
how's that evolution changed? And now where you're spending more of your time connecting with folks than maybe what you were the old days, call it. Uh, <laughs> right. It changes every month, to be honest with you. New technology comes out. I mean, you know, in the last 18, 20 months, Zoom is now the new thing where people are doing this via, you know, a camera um, where I, I never, I think I used a camera maybe once a year to have a phone call. And now it's more frequent where I've even seen emails that come in and say, here, just here's my Zoom or here's my Skype. Just call me this way. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got to set up my camera. going to set up my mic and do all that because I don't normally just leave my camera and mic on because I don't, you know, previous to COVID because I didn't do it that much. So, but also uh, part of the answer to your other question is, you know, I spend probably equally 33% on each company, by the way. And it depends. And probably your next question is, you know, well, how do I prioritize? Well, it depends where the big dollar is. So if I'm working on an event this weekend and my time is needed more in the event, I'm going to spend a little bit more hours on that event, planning for it, doing whatever I have to do for the event. If someone, you know, one of my corporate clients, Comcast, is asking for their marketing material and needs to ship out by tomorrow, well, then I'm going to make sure that that's done and put my attention on that. If I'm picking up 100 trucks that are scheduled with a warehouse, then I'm going to put my attention on that. So each, I just explained each company and the differentiation. So that's really how my time goes and where does it go. And I think any person uses judgment. That is the key to learn judgment. And if there was a book that someone wrote about judgment where you just prioritize what is the most important. At the end of the day, as a business owner, I think you'll agree, it's money. (laughs) Where's where's the big sale at? (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Short and longer term. No, you're absolutely right. And I do think we get caught up in, you know, hacks and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's good, solid business sense, right? We don't teach a lot. Everybody's like, what's what's the greatest hack to get me to that? Well, there is no hacks. You're going to have to build the fundamentals of, of the business. And, and learn judgment and learn what's correct. But now, granted, if your wife calls and has a problem at home, the series, that's your priority. So I always say family first before business. So, but when it comes to business and you're here from X hour to X hour, you just got to prioritize. Well, hold on. There's a big shipment going out and it's a million dollar sale. I'm going to work on that. And then I'm doing an event and the event is X amount. And then, you know, you just kind of prioritize it like that. That's how I, that's how I do it. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. And it still sounds like with communication, you still have a plan, right? You've got plans of what you want to do, but the, the week to week and sometimes day to day is absolutely going to, going to change. So, you know, concept I'm curious, and I think you're already doing this a little bit is, you know, we've seen, um, I use the, the, the movie analogy, right? That says, Hey, all these different partners come in for the blockbuster movie, right? You got the stunt people, you got production, you got makeup. But everybody's their own little company, right? Not everybody is a massive MGM or right a, a movie star. I think we're going to see, maybe starting to see more of that for even small businesses, right? You don't need somebody for, for the event business. You only need, need that part-time expertise. So why not start building a network of, you know, that, that comes together for the, I call it the greater good. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm saying that I think a lot, and I've talked to a few folks that just do contract work. Like you, you may be a contractor, but you're still your own business and you need to think a little bit bigger about how and what, even if this is all you want to do is contract work, don't think of it that way. Right. So just kind of curious, your perspective is, are we, you're leveraging it and you're probably a pioneer in this. Do you see it going more and more this way, being able to build companies without as many employees? Yes. So a very good example you brought up because, you know, with the studios, the movie studios, and I'm here in LA, so I see it and all my friends work for studios or some film production. But the event business is like that, okay? So, yes, I have the five employees here, and when an event is happening, we're all working on the event. But I actually have another 10 to 15 executives 
subcontractors, if you want to call it, who I bring in for the day or the day before the event to build it. So one guy's in charge of, you know, the food, one guy's in charge of, you know, setting up the event. So those executive staff come in for the event and I hire them and bring them in. And then we then also then actually bring in another 100 to 200, should I say, volunteers, staff, employees, whatever you want to call it, to do the event. But those guys are more you know, aren't really positioned and have an executive role. We just say, hey, can you do this? Or you're doing this or you're over here and so forth. So we do bring in people when we need it. And I think, yes, the world is turning into where you job it out. So I tell you about five employees and I haven't even told you probably the two or three other employees that we job out and we, you know, use or based anywhere. Plus we have a factory, two factories in China where I don't really call them my employees, but I guess I could. I have another 50 guys there who are building products for me. So the world has turned into that, and I think it has more with different websites like Snag a Job and so forth, where you can just hire someone to, I think Fiverr is another one, where you can just hire people to do a certain job, and then you go, hey, I like what you did. I'm going to hire you again for the next one. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's a, a great one concept. And two, curious, I'm guessing the wholesale business, since it was family business, you had a lot of everybody was a full-time employee, right? Contractors and those things probably didn't exist very often. So is there a framework or a structure that you use to help manage all those relationships? Because honestly, that's where I see one of the biggest challenges with some of these companies that use it. They don't, they don't treat it like it's somebody internal. It's like, hey, somebody's going to come do this, but they don't put a, a process or a framework in place to kind of set expectations or look. I'm just curious if there's anything you use in your businesses to help put a little structure around that. You know, I actually, I don't have any software or technology and I'm sure there is software and technology. I mean, we all get emails saying, hey, why don't you buy this software? Let's do a demo. Da, da, da. There is probably something out there, but I think the time it would take me to learn it, it's easier for me just to old hat, just basically say, hey, listen, I'm going to hire you for the day. You're doing eight hours. You're doing food and water for the event and so forth. And there you go. So, um, so there is no real structure, I guess you could say. I guess it is in the mind. I mean, Every person, you, me, and anyone else, from a basketball player to an actor to someone who can write code, has, I call it like a Pentium chip inside of them where they're programmed to do what they do and they have that talent and they know how to do it. So I just know how to go, okay, listen, I got an event coming up here, the 10 executives, and I just write it out on a board before the event. This person's in charge of this, this person's in charge of this. And then we show up that day and, okay, you're going to do your usual thing. But, oh, by the way, they want bottled water instead of tap water. So just put that in your coding. So if that answers your question, when it comes to the business. No, it does. And I think, again, I think we're going to see, again, I'm not a big, I'm a process guy, but it doesn't have to be overly structured. Right? And I think one of the things, again, small businesses make that wrong hire, right? I was talking to somebody this morning about, man, if you make that wrong hire, it's an 18 month mistake. You could run out of cash if you don't get there. And so, I guess maybe where I was going with that is putting a little bit more thought into the partners that you're going to have representing you when you do it versus, you know, I mean, I do think there's a. So, yeah, when. okay, so to go on that, to go down that channel. So right now we're actually looking to hire someone to to fill a post that's going to be vacated soon because the woman's going to go off and have another child and get married and all this fun stuff and pursue family life, which is great. Um, We I actually decided, speaking of structure, this is an interesting idea for your listeners. I'm going to hire two people to do the job. And my father taught me this. You hire two people to do the job because you know one of them is going to do really well or one of them is not going to do well. So this way it's easier to, should I say, move the person who's not doing well to another position in the company or they just self-eject themselves. So that is one of my philosophies when it comes to hiring a professional in our business is you hire two. 
And it's, I don't want to call it a rat race. I don't want it to sound like that, but it's like, Hey, survival of the fittest, who can do the job the best? Because like you said, you spent 18 months training this person and then they blow out of there. You're like, great. Now I got to do this again. If you got two people, your percentage, your likelihood of that happening, the 18 month runway and they blow out of there is a lot less. No, I think that's absolutely right. And I too, I think there's probably some people like, oh, that means somebody's going to lose their job. I'm like, well, quite honestly, with if you go down that path, one of them's probably not going to be right for that job. Right? If they're not excelling in it, they're probably not having a good time anyway. They already have that. They already have that viewpoint. Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. Both parties will agree because the worst thing you do is keep somebody in a position that they're not really right. excelling. Right. They're not happy, and it just makes it worse and worse and worse. And I do think we're at a better point, especially with small businesses. Hey, you got to do life's way too short, right? You got to enjoy the job that you're doing if you're not doing it. Yeah. You know, this is just the way. But the, the other so. thing about the two person thing is great because, okay, one of them doesn't cut out, isn't good. You see their talents, you see what their Pentium chip is, what they're good at, and you go, wait a second, you're really good at working Adobe. I, I didn't realize that when I hired you that you know how to do actually marketing. So, hey, why don't you go help in this department, this division now? Okay, cool. Yeah, I think right, right people, right roles and yeah. know, play to their strengths. And again, it's really hard unless it's that hardcore referral coming for somebody, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a game. So, by the way, I'm going to steal or borrow. I'll give you full attribution for that Pentium chip idea. I really <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Thank you. Anyway, yeah. so did I answer that last question? You did. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like I said, this is it's interesting. I love bringing new ideas. And so, uh, one of the things I've heard you talk about too is you're you're passionate about helping you know new business or people thinking about getting and starting their own business. So, what are Ryan's you know top three tips or pieces of advice you'd give somebody that's either early in the game or thinking about the game? Well, what I have found, and thank you for asking that. And yes, I do. My, my purpose in talking to you, A, is you're a cool dude. This is kind of fun. And I love to interact and talk business with people because sometimes in your day-to-day with your other employees, you're just doing you're just doing the rat race in the office. So you don't actually get to like sit back and have a cup of coffee and talk to someone about business. So I enjoyed the podcast. So thank you. But I, you know, I want to help. There are a lot of people coming out of school. There are a lot of people who are starting their life, their career, their side hustle, whatever you want to call it. And I see it because when in my event business, which is where I see the most amount of people coming out of school because we get a lot of volunteers. It is amazing that you see X amount or X percentage of the crowd isn't really like you go, would I hire that person? Okay. And I have noticed that X percent are really on the ball to the point quick. And you like, I can hire that person. I know we can get a job done. And X percent are just like looking at a little leaf falling off a tree. So, and you just go, dude, you're about to start life, man. You can't be looking at this leaf anymore. You got to get cracking because in today's world, only the tigers survive. And it's even harder now because the world is ever changing so quickly. And now the, the generation that's coming out of school today, I will admit, knows a little bit more about tech and so forth and knows how to work a phone quicker than, than you and I probably do and knows how to fix these things. But sometimes there's just old school foundational things in business where having a communication with somebody is key and paramount in anything. Being able to, you know, like I mentioned earlier, return a call, return an email, communicate with another, resolve an issue without claiming that something will happen to them, if you know what I mean. Taking responsibility, apologizing, so forth. And I don't mean violating your integrity, but like, hey, sometimes, you know, the lesser of two evils is just to move forward and look at the ultimate goal that you're trying to do something. So, um, So my, my pieces of advice to answer your question is really 
decide what you want to do. That's the key. What do you want to do in life? If they don't know, go research. Go Even if it's a hobby. Hey, you like listening to music. Well, do you want to get in the music business? You know, you like playing basketball. Okay, do you want to be a sports agent? Do you want to make basketballs? Do you want to make hoops? Do you want to paint the, the court that's on? Something with that, I think, helps because it's something you like and then you decide you want to do it. And then after that, then is the hard work of actually then going and doing it. Meaning, if, if you're going to make basketballs, you got to find a manufacturer. you got to get a manufacturer, but at the same time, make sure there's a need and a want. People always come to me and say, hey, i got this great idea of doing this. And I'm like, go on Google and see if anyone's doing it first. That's the first thing to do is actually just take your idea and pretend like you're a buyer and see if there are companies doing it. And then also make sure there's a need of at least, my opinion is, of at least 50,000 buyers for that product or service. And then you know it's now worth it and now go pursue it. Yeah, we kind of had a shared philosophy, man. It's, it is all about the problem you're solving, right? You got to have, you're right, you can come up with an idea for a cool thing, but is it solving a problem? Does anybody care? And, you know, one of the other pieces I say is, is this a need to solve problem or a nice to solve problem? When times are good, the markets are booming, nice to haves are good because people will buy them. But if things aren't so good, you know, is this a need to have? And I think along, and I think you're so right on the, the, the passion, right? You life's, too short. I, and you, you didn't grow up in the corporate world. I, I split time there and you just go, you do your job, you meet some nice people, you do the work, but man, anytime you're just going through the motions, it, it's a waste. And I get, you have to pay the bills and do those things, but the earlier you can find what you're passionate about, like you said, even if it's a hobby to start, you got to have something because there's no bigger waste than just doing something to check the box or, or time itself. Right. And th and that, and to lead on upon that is, you know, like you said earlier, it, I call it a need or a want. You're right. You want to make a product or service that's needed. Okay. Sure. You can make a product or service that's wanted, but I've recently read a bunch of stuff coming out of Silicon Valley and you know what these VC firms look for. That does it solve a problem that somebody doesn't know about yet. That's the key. Does your product or service <clears throat> solve or fix a problem that they don't quite know is there yet? that will, because I do have friends who've, who've made tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars making some tech or platform or software or this or that. And I look at it and go, wow, that person, their Pentium chip is installed to think way in the future, five, 10 years in the future going, hey, if I go make a phone receiver that does X, Y, Z, it makes it so the person can make the phone call faster and it'll be great. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's, it's a great point. And, you know, one of the things I've I call it an epiphany or something because when I left the management consulting world, I'm like, you know what? I'm getting an adventure. Let's help these startups go. But then I found it's a lot of fundraising and this. And then what I found is, right, I really like cash flow. <laughs> and so if I look at that, that's Satan. I would say not every, not everybody that's just a professional fundraiser. Just doing X amount. Or even just saying, hey, congratulations, you raised 30 million. Well, you haven't earned anything yet. You Congratulations, you got the money. Now, what are you going to go to do? And I guess where I was tying off of where you're going is I think, or at least I've discovered more recently, there's a big market for people that can execute good ideas, right? And then you may not be a billion dollar company, but you can make really good money just by executing where other companies and a lot of companies struggle with, with just execute. So if you are out there listening and thinking about, you don't have to have the next great idea. There's plenty and I'd say a lot of need for folks that can help execute and drive these ideas and, and business plans. That's true. What is your Pentium chip? Are you the idea guy or are you the execute? It's kind of like sales. You and I have both been in sales. We know how to sell, so we know how to execute. 
or someone else came up with the idea of what to sell. So, you know, it's you just got to find what you're good at, what your Pentium, what you've been programmed at, what your talent is, and then go for it. Yeah, no, 100%. And so, again, I'm passionate about keeping people out of corporate America. Nothing against corporate <laughs> America, but <laughs> it just, you know what? It's, I learned a lot, but there's, I think the other, there's other paths you can, you can learn as much. But one more area I want to touch on with you, and you've been very uh, generous with your time today is the biggest block, which I'll call, I use internally as owner's capacity, right? So you started a business, you've hustled, you've got customers. You know, you're really good at one-on-one. If I get in front of you, I can sell you, I bring it. But you get at some point you get to, if I bring on another customer, then I can't deliver it. Or if I'm delivering, I can't sell. And they just get locked at that point and you can't break through. So any advice for, for those business owners that are closing in on that? One, you have to hustle and get to that point. And if you do, congratulations, you're still in a, not a large you know, minority that, that can get to that point. But, you know, what are your thoughts on taking that next step, moving from the one-to-one to more of the, the one-to-many in order to get through that that threshold? I think, you know, quantity versus quality. So I think that's what you're asking. So do you want, does your, is your path quantity or is it quality, you know, Jerry Maguire way in the beginning of that movie? You only just want to focus on one or two or do you want to do quantity a lot? So um, my belief is quantity actually. So that's my, that's my programming, my coding, my bandwidth is quantity. So I want to do a lot. So in my business, you know, each one, you know, does X amount, but like events. Okay. So I tell people I'm doing 25 events a year and some people go, Oh my God, I don't know how you can do that. Now, every once in a while I ask myself that too, but I want to get to 50, but that's where delegation comes in. If you can delegate an event to another executive, to someone else on your team, you can do more events. And that's how these companies grow, okay? So I started doing business with Amazon when Jeff Bezos was three people away when I started doing business, okay? Now he's 5,000 people away from the contact that I do business with. So he just delegated. He just said, okay, we're going to come with this and now you're in charge of it. So that way the bandwidth turns into quantity and then you just have to train or hat the person to do quality at the same time so that each transaction is quality. You and I both order from Amazon probably X amount a week and you get an email. Hey, it's ordered. You get an email. Hey, it's shipped. You got an email saying, hey, it dropped off. And you get an email that says, hey, can you fill out a survey? To me, that's quality. And if it's a bad product, you return it. and They're like, hey, how, how do you rate us? So um, I think I answered your question, but I do believe that for someone to go from just one sale to five or ten is a have the coding, the bandwidth, the Pentium chip that says you want to do it because that is how you grow your company. That is how you get bigger. Any corporate company that is out there did quantity. Okay. It's not like Coca-Cola just sells one big bottle of Coke, you know, and they grew it and their bandwidth and RAM just kept going where they actually, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but Coca-Cola, when you buy it in LA or Nebraska or Chicago, it's not coming from, from Coca-Cola in Atlanta. Some company bought the formula and franchised it. It's called a bottling company and goes and sells it in that area and has that territory, which is amazing. So it's, and it's the same with almost anything. You go buy a Disney princess dress. You are not buying it from Disney. You're buying it from XYZ company that bought the rights to make the princess dress to sell. So it's just delegation where meaning Disney and Coca-Cola expanded and said, okay, you're in charge of this area. You're in charge of this dress. You get to print this. You get to do this. And that's how you grow. So whatever you're looking to do, you just have to learn later. You're going to hire more employees and do more. Some businesses, like one of my business, you know, you can't really 
delegate or have more, you know, do more. It's just really, it's kind of like a, a five man band type thing, but the other business, yes. Yeah. And what now a perfect guess. Cause you tied it nicely back to the 360 that said, Hey, you know, it's like the movie production, right? If you want to scale, you're not going to be able to do it unless you find these partners or delegate to help build those, those pods. Now, I'm, I'm with you. There's so much better ways to, to, to build and scale businesses these days. So I think that's a perfect way to end. I mean, we could do a whole nother segment. I'm going to have to bring you back because we can get into some of these business models because I think there's a way for companies to break through that capacity without making the wrong hire. And, you know, I'd love to, to, to go more depth with you at some point on that. But, but for today, Ryan, appreciate it. And so if people want to connect with you, reach out, where's the best place for them to find you? You know, they can go to my website, ryancoogler.com. It kind of sends you to all three companies if they have a question or just go to aplanb.com. Um, those are just my business website. So if someone's like looking for marketing material or an event or get the wholesale business, you can go to any of the sites that I just mentioned and it will kind of weave you back and forth to wherever you need to go. And they can track you down from there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thanks again. Really appreciate your time today. It was a lot of fun. And like I said, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you in the not too distant future. Good. good. Thank you. Thank you for your time. All right. Thanks, Ryan. 